Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given throughout the area. Today's show features Father Nicholas Mancini, a priest of the Diocese of Youngstown, Ohio, and his series entitled Blessed John the 23rd, a biography of the man. And now, Father Nicholas Mancini. And welcome back to our series on Blessed John the 23rd. Last time, we were discussing Blessed John the 23rd's opening speech to the council and how he was preparing them for what he wanted to bring into light into the church. He says that the council was to be a dramatic divine intervention by the Holy Spirit and by Jesus himself. It is to be that universal council in which we should look both to the past, but listen to the voices which echo in our present day. He pointed out that from east to west, thoughts and realities of individuals would bring into light a new breath within the church. He wanted to bring out the idealisms of the modern world to the church, but yet preserving the dignity and the solemnity of the church itself. He says that divine providence is leading us to a new order of human relations by which men's own efforts, and even beyond their very expectations, are directed toward that fulfillment of God's superior design. And everything and even human differences leads to a greater good for Holy Mother Church. When we look now at the idealisms of this good Pope, we see now that the first order of business at Vatican II was the election of members for the commissions. Balloting was scheduled for October 13th, the first general session. And as soon as the opening ceremonies ended, the Secretary General asked the Fathers to fill in the electoral ballots. As they were doing this, the ideas of the Church reflected in their minds. They knew that the Holy Father wanted this council, and they knew also that the commissions they had to set up had to be ones in which individuals, bishops, and the laity must be open to the needs of the Church of the modern era. The liturgy was the first choice to be on for the first order of business. Liturgy is that practical and pastoral concern that all bishops could address, a quality less true of more technical and theological schematas. Liturgy directly raised two sensitive questions, local initiative and vernacular language. The liturgical schema had a potential to challenge the established order, at least symbolically. Change here would signal change and challenge elsewhere. Further, the liturgical schema used biblical, patristic, and pastoral language rather than the abstract scholastic and legal expressions that marked the other prepared documents. It did, however, bring into light several items of concern. First of all, the vernacular language. 
How is the liturgy of Vatican II to be presented? Pope John XXIII made some changes within the liturgy. He added the name of St. Joseph to the Roman canon. He wanted to bring out the idealisms that the liturgy and everything that surrounds the liturgy is for the greater honor and glory of Almighty God. And that Latin, the language of the church, is to be preserved and maintained. However, vernacular would become the secondary language that the liturgy could be celebrated in. He wanted to maintain the evidence of silence, dignity, and reverence within the liturgy. And so these are the items that John was concerned with, that the council fathers should look at, but yet preserve the sanctity of the Holy Mass. Other items that would be of concern would be brought into the various sessions of the council, the spiritual growth of the church, religious liberties and freedoms, the dignity and the rights of individuals, lumen gentium. All of these items were to fulfill the dream of John XXIII's leadership by reviewing the present state of the church and its relationship with the modern world. He wanted to show the bishops of the church that they must go out and evangelize rather than to sit back in this modern world that was plagued now with nuclear destruction, the fear of nuclear war, the tensions that were building up in the Soviet Union, in Cuba, all of these things John was facing. And there were problems that affected the church. And he wanted his bishops and the church itself to reach out, to bring a message of peace, to bring a breath of fresh air of the church to the modern world. Spirituality was his goal in this council. Spiritual growth and the needs of the laity to become more active within the church to develop a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ, not only in their own lives, but to touch the hearts, the minds, and the souls of others, and to bring the message of faith to the modern world in the nuclear age. Spirituality is defined in many ways. Common to all is the mixing of the human and the divine, and the interpretation of God and the individual personality of spirit and Holy Spirit. Spirituality is the human result of this mixing. Spirituality is the tone or style of life that emerges when God mixes with man, indeed, with a particular person. John the Twenty-Third spirituality was so much so this blend of elements that good Pope John in that opening statement to the council, and as he sat at that first session, was to express the power of the Holy Spirit in a charism of the church that would lead the church into a new and dramatic focal point in the world. 
If one had to express it all in one word, it seems to me that one could say that John the Twenty-Third was a man surprisingly natural, and at the same time, supernatural. Nature, grace are produced in him, a living unity filled with a charism and a charm that was surprising. Everything about John the Twenty-Third sprang from a single source. He was firm, yet he gave a smile in that firmness that opened the hearts of individuals. He lived in the presence of God, one wrote, with the simplicity of one who takes a walk through the streets of his own native town. This, John the Twenty-Third, envisioned in his council, this council that would speak to the church and open up a door, a pathway of walking with Christ in the world that needed Christ more than ever. The council was to be the source and the strength of all that is good. He wanted to bring about a deeper relationship in the spiritual growth between man and Almighty God, especially in the Holy Mass. With the development and the liturgical reforms, John wanted to emphasize the need of a deeper appreciation for the liturgy, for the Eucharist, for Christ's presence, the power of prayer within each and every person was to be the power of the Holy Spirit within us, moving us, inspiring us into witnesses of faith. This was John's primary goal for the council, to bring the council fathers the message of Jesus Christ, so that they can relate it to a modern world that needed Christ so desperately. More importantly, John the Twenty-Third moved and acted in God's presence. He had an acute sense of providence, of God's guiding hand in his life and in the course of history. He read the signs of the times, as he called them, and humbly but confidentially made judgments about what was going on and what, therefore, he must do. His maintaining communion with God in the midst of events during the council made him a true leader and a respondent of love and peace, obedient to God's will. As he opened the Second Vatican Council, he made a pledge that he would be the guiding force, the strength, the inspiration to the bishops of the church. John's holiness was nowhere more apparent than when he gave that dramatic opening speech before the Council Fathers. His ideology, his message for that Council, 
his message for the world and for the people of the church was a resolution that the spiritual role of every individual was to be truly rooted in the documents of the Second Vatican Council. This, for John, was a tremendous desire and an inspiration. The sublime work and the holy and the divine which the Pope did for the Church was to be an inspiration to the world as a sign of unity, a sign of peace, a sign of hope and new breath beating in the hearts of every individual. This new dramatic role that he was bringing in which people would become more actively involved within the church in the modern world was truly an inspiration as divine revelation, the scriptures, the liturgy would become more alive in the hearts of individuals. By participating in prayer, devotions, the spiritual and corporal works of mercy, John the Twenty-Third wanted the church to be in the realization of the reality that, yes, they too must be witnesses of the gospel message of the glory of resurrection and be part of that joyous message of which Mary Magdalene spoke of when she first went to the tomb and heard that message, He has risen, as He has said. The counsel was to be that emphasis of a new life, a new breath in that glory of resurrection by which every person was to take an active role within the mission of the church, to be missionaries and bring that message of faith and love to God's holy people. This active role of the council was truly an inspiration by which Pope John Twenty-Third gave us the beautiful documents of that council and in which then his successor, Paul VI, would lead the church into that era of the Second Vatican Council in that light and inspiration by which John wanted to guide us. John's esteem for the church is one that fills us spiritually with that fervor of faith by which he spoke of in the opening sessions of the council. It is that dramatic understanding of faith, hope, and charity or love by which the council has to move forward and use the glory of the church by which Christ himself placed into the hands of Peter. Thus, John the Twenty-Third brings out in every person the ideology that, yes, 
we too must proclaim the message of faith. The glory of the council then is the glory by which John the 23rd emphasized in the documents that yes, we too must be spiritual members of church. We must be church, the people of God, in actively giving ourselves as leaders of faith. During the sessions of the council, John put forth an eternal wisdom of God. He wanted the council to see the glory of God and Jesus in all things. Today, he says, the church is witnessing a crisis within society. While humanity is on the edge of a new era, tasks of immense gravity await the church. It is a question, in fact, of bringing the modern world into contact with the energies of the gospel, a world that is caught up in a technological and scientific age of self-destruction, of nuclear weapons in this modern society and world by which men can destroy themselves. John pointed out that we must reaffirm our confidence in Jesus Christ, our Savior, who has not left the world which he redeemed. But we should come to know him in the signs of the times in which we live. And we see now in this council a new hope that the council will rejuvenate the church in the way of unity of all Christians and setting for mankind the message of the angels, peace and goodwill to all men. John's hopes for the council were clear. Renewal of the church itself, truth, unity with other Christians, peace in the world, he reviewed the preparation for the council once again and wanted them to understand, the council fathers, that concerns of practical problems, church teaching, and the edification and the service of the mystical body is the supernatural mission. And therefore, we must open up our hearts, minds, and souls into the very depths of the sacred writings, venerable tradition, the sacraments, prayer, ecclesiastical discipline, charitable and relief activities, the lay apostolate, and mission horizons. However, he says, this supernatural order must reflect its efficiency in the other order, the temporal one, 
which on so many occasions is unfortunately ultimately the only one that occupies and worries mankind. In this field also the church has shown that it wishes to be mother and teacher. Although the church does not primarily seek an earthly goal, nevertheless, along its way it cannot stand aloof from the problems which are of the temporal order or neglect the concern which they generate. Hence the living presence of the church extends to the international organizations and to the working out of its social doctrine regarding family, education, civil society, and all related problems. In this way, the beneficial influence of the council deliberations must, as we sincerely hope, succeed to the extent of bringing the Christian light, that fervent spiritual energy, into the soul of every person. Yes, the council was to be for John the 23rd, this new light, this new inspiration, this new dynamic force by which everyone must participate. Vatican II was to be that spiritual force by which John the 23rd says, we must be the light of the nations. We must practice that fraternal love and that sign of peace for all. We must bring the documents of this council into the world by holding on to our traditions, our beliefs, but present them to the world as the light upon lights. Pope John the Twenty-Third saw this council then as a force of teaching, a force of inspiration, and as he instructed the council fathers, our deliberations must truly be ones of inspiration of true faith to bring the light of Jesus Christ into the hearts, the minds, and the souls, not only of our priests and religious, to be the forcefulness of the power of the Holy Spirit, but as they proclaim Jesus, they must do so with the inspiration of this council by truly upholding the truth, the truth of what we here present to God's people. He realized that the modern world was on the brink of war. He realized the evils that many people were facing he realized the suffering, the pain, and the hardships of so many people 
that he had hoped that this council would be that bond of that unifying force to emulate the power of the Holy Spirit in a message of hope, of peace, and goodwill. The council documents are to be the guiding steps, the stepping stones, as it were, into the light of evangelization. They are to be for us the means and the support of understanding what John wanted this council to be. He wanted it to be a council of unity and a council of peace. He wanted it to be a council of spiritual growth. He wanted it to be a council of understanding the ways of the gospel. He wanted people within the church to look into the very depths of their own soul to develop spiritually before Jesus and to be a light unto light to others. He wanted the spiritual growth of every person to be an inspiration to others, to draw them into the light of faith, to be that force and that bond of unity by which all would say yes unto Jesus. John the Twenty-Third desired that the Vatican Council would not only be that inspiration for all people, but that it would be the element of keeping the message alive in the modern world and his leadership, his hope, and his dream would lead us to a better understanding of church, ourselves, Jesus, and who we are as brothers and sisters of the Lord. Next time, we will look at the insights of John the Twenty-Third's magnificent council and setting the tone for us, God's people. Until next time, may God bless you. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.